Bujumbo Ubari. Hi. <laughs> Caribou, Ironworks Church. Welcome to Ironworks Church. Uh, praise God. There we go. A few of you went on this trip with me. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Uh, sorry, bringing a little bit of the liturgy that I learned uh, in Tanzania uh, with me. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Joshua Olson, and I am the director of congregational care here at Ironworks Church. Uh, if you meet me, you can just call me Doc. Uh, that's fine. Um, a, a team of nine of us just uh, returned from a vision trip to Kenya and Tanzania. All of us are still recovering from travel and jet lag. Um, but we had an incredible time getting to know uh, the staff and the kids at the City of Hope. Um, getting to know the women from the SOW program. So stands for uh, Sewing Empowers Women. Um, and experiencing the very different but incredibly moving uh, worship from the church on the City of Hope campus. It was amazing. Uh, we're still processing what we saw, heard, and experienced. Uh, so stay tuned for more. Uh, over the next few months, we will be uh, sharing our experience uh, with you all, and we can't wait to do so. Now, our job was not to come and save the day, but it was to go and to listen, to observe, to see what was going on, to see how the students and staff interact with each other, see how they play, and it was to listen. Listen as the students shared their experiences and the staff shared what was happening in the various ministries. Our job was to get to know Hope Co. and its people and its ministries. And that's what we want, right? We want to be heard. We want to be seen. We want to be known. Uh, Janice Dunn writes in the New York Times in an article, she says the following. Last September, I got a phone call from my sister Heather, a special education teacher at an elementary school in upstate New York. Heather, known as Mrs. Stella to her students, had experienced a challenging week. Her students were settling into a new school year, but some of them had become agitated in class. What do you do when a kid gets emotionally overwhelmed, I asked. Many teachers at her school, she told me, asked the students a simple question. Do you want to be helped, heard, or hugged? The choice gives children a sense of control, which is important when they're following school rules all day, Heather said. And all kids handle the, their emotions differently, she explained. Some need a box of tissues. Others simply want to talk about their problem on the bus, and I will just listen. Well, friends, the good news is that this is exactly what God reveals about himself in our passage. So would you please stand as you are able as we read from the book that we love? This is Exodus chapter 2, verse 23 through chapter 3, verse 8. During those, day, those many days, the king of Egypt died, 
And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the word of the Lord. So as we walk through this passage, uh, we're going to look at three things. First, we're going to look at the fact that God sees and he hears you. Second, that God knows you. And finally, we'll look at how God delivers you in his love. So God sees you and hears you. Perhaps you find yourself in a painful situation. You're hurting, you're aching, you may feel trapped, you may need help because you find yourself in a sticky situation. Well, this is exactly how the people of God felt at this time. They had been living in Egypt for quite some time and thriving, but the new king of Egypt did not remember Joseph and how he rescued the Egyptians from utter destruction from a famine. Instead, he simply saw a foreign people living in his land as an opportunity to oppress, harass, enslave, and exploit. And it says, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. They groaned and they cried out for help. So suppose you find yourself in a harrowing situation, one that is bitter and horrible. If that's you, cry out, groan. You are able to cry out and to groan. That is what the people of God did in times past. And friends, it says their cry for rescue came up 
to God, and God heard their groaning. God hears you. God listens. And it also says, God remembered his covenant with Abraham. Now, I, I want to take a moment just to encourage those who might be here who do not identify as a Christian or who have not um, united themselves to Christ by faith. I want to encourage you. God keeps his promises. He makes a covenant and he keeps it. Even to his own hurt, God keeps his promises. And if you desire God to hear and to remember his promise, would you consider uniting yourself to Christ by faith today? Cry out in the name of Jesus, and he will hear, and he will remember. For those of you who are Christians, who identify as Christians and are united to him by faith, I want to encourage you as well. God remembers his covenant. He remembers his promises. And he remembers that you are his people, that you belong to him, that he is your father, and that you are his beloved children. And God hears you as a father, his children who cry out for help. What father, when he hears his son or daughter cry out for help, turns a deaf ear? What mother, when she hears her children cry out, walks away from them? Our Father hears you, and he has whispered these promises to you, and I want to remind you of them this morning. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, says Jesus, he will give it to you. If you ask me anything in my name, Jesus says, I will do it. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And Jesus says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ironworks Church, God hears your cries. He listens intently as a father to your groans, and he remembers what he has promised. In verse 25, it says, and God saw the people of Israel. And I want to remind you this morning, God sees you. Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstances, God sees you. He sees you in your pain. He winces at your pain. He has compassion for you. Ironworks Church, God hears when you cry out to him, and he sees you when you're suffering. It 
So that's God sees and hears. Next, we'll look at how God knows you. Um, Perhaps one of the greatest needs in life as a social creature is to be known. Uh, Psychologist uh, Greg Henriques uh, puts it this way. We can identify a core of human psychosocial need, which I call the relational value social influence need. This need is the need of an individual is the need an individual has to be known and valued by themselves and important others. There are, there are several ingredients here that need to be broken down. First, being valued means that one is prized, admired, or loved, and that one's interests are respected and honored. Second, being known means that the individual is able to share their full experiences, even their their private thoughts and public image with important others. Finally, self refers to the individual's own self-conscious reflection and autobiographical narrative of one's life and experience, and important others refer to those people the individual cares about, and it usually includes family of origin, your present nuclear family, uh, your romantic partner or spouse, close friends, peers, and social group affiliations. And he concludes this by saying, my contention is that this is the single most important variable in human development in terms of outcomes regarding character and well-being. We need to be known. And to be known is to have someone who cares about you, who truly loves you, who knows you inside and out and still loves you. Unfortunately, in a world filled with sin and anger and with hurt, being known like this can be elusive. People betray us, they bully us, they hurt us, and they make fun of us, right? Sometimes even the people we think we can trust the most are the ones who disappoint us or hurt us the most. It is like they do not know us or care for us. Instead, they merely use us. And this is exactly what was happening with the people of Israel. They were being used. They were being bullied and hurt and made fun of. They were being exploited. But friends, listen to what Scripture says in these simple, three simple words. And God knew. He knows you. Paul says it this way in his letter to the Galatians. Now since you know God, or rather, you have become known by God. God knows you. He sees you, warts and all. He knows you inside and out, and he still loves you. He sees those parts that you would never, ever, ever share with anyone else, and he still loves you. He knows you. Let it sink in. God just doesn't know about you, but he knows you. The Hebrew word yada 
has a variety of meanings, but included in this meaning is how a husband or wife knows their spouse. It connotates intimacy, vulnerability, authenticity, true knowing. And God knows you. The Father knows you as his beloved children. You are his sons and daughters, and he knows you. Jesus Christ knows you as his beloved bride and his very own body. God knows you. You are known. And even if everyone in this world betrays you or leaves you, God knows you and he loves you. And he will never leave you and he will never ever forsake you. In fact, it goes beyond this. God is inclined towards you. He sees you, he knows you, and he hears your cries, and he delights in you. He remembers his promises every time you cry out to him. Timothy Keller, in his book on marriage, I think puts it very well. He says it this way, To be loved but not known can be comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. And it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. And friends, God knows you, and he loves you. Third, what we're going to look at now is how God will deliver you. In verse uh, 7 of chapter 3 in our passage, uh, it says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, God not only sees you in your suffering and affliction, he doesn't just know about you and know you in your suffering, And he doesn't just hear your cries and groanings. God acts. He says to Moses, I have come down to deliver them. You know, it it might be comforting to know that someone knows us and our plight and that they have compassion for us. And it might be helpful to know that someone feels uh, an inclination towards us. But Often what we need is someone to truly love us in their actions. What good is love if it does not act in our time of need? And God demonstrates his love through action. He comes down. He leaves his place on the throne in the highest heavens. And he enters into our world. He did this in the day of Moses by appearing to him in the burning bush. Um, 
I think Stephen summarizes this very well um, in the book of Acts, chapter 7. He says it this way, An angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses trembled with fear and did dare not look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. And I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. And Moses was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. And he led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. God, the Lord, came from heaven and called Moses and through Moses delivered his people from their oppression. And the Lord has come down in our day by appearing first as the Christ child in the womb of the mother Mary and then in the flesh as the Messiah. Paul, the apostle, I think sums it up best in Philippians chapter 2. This is God in action, showing his love for us. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among you, which was also yours in Christ Jesus. And this is what he did. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men, and being found in, the, in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul says it again elsewhere. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His love compels him to act, to keep his promises, to demonstrate his love through sacrifice. True love is best demonstrated by humility. And I think... Um, when I think of humility, I think uh, that C.S. Lewis best sums it up in his book, Mere Christianity. Do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He will not be a sort of greasy, smarmy person who is always telling you that, of course, he is a nobody. Probably... All you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. And if you dislike him, it will probably be because you feel a little envious of anyone who seems to enjoy life so easily. He will not be thinking about humility. In fact, he will not be thinking about himself at all. 
friends, this is exactly what God has done for us in Christ. It was joy that motivated Christ. It was his constant thought of you. He loves you and he delights in you. And friends, we should reflect this love and humility to others. As C.S. Lewis said, humility in its essence is to consider others more than ourselves. It takes time to notice, to observe, to see one another. Humility listens intently to others, and it seeks to know others by asking questions and then listening intently to their answers. And you know what humility does? It leads us to love. It asks, as Heather did to her students, do you want to be helped, heard, or hugged? And it will respond accordingly. Ironworks Church, at this table, the table of the Lord, the table of communion, the table of Christ's covenant love for us, remember that he sees you, that he hears you, that he knows you, and he seals his promise to deliver you from spiritual oppression, from bondage to sin, and any of the damaging effects that sin have in this world. At this table, he offers strength for the weak. He offers a listening ear, and he gives his very presence in the bread and in the wine. So Ironworks Church, come, be seen, be known, be loved, be delivered. Let's pray. Gracious God, you hear us when we cry out to you. And so we do, we lift up our groans and we cry out to you this morning and ask that you would deliver us. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from spiritual oppression. Deliver us from bondage to sin. God, remember your promise. Remember your covenant that you made in Christ. Help us, Lord, to know that you love us, that you see us, that you know us, and that you delight in us. Remind us of this through the power of your spirit, God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.